This session is supported by the University of Arizona. Hi, my name is Sammy Sparber, and I'm a student at UT Austin and a reporting fellow for the Texas Tribune. Thank you for tuning in to this conversation on the impact of COVID-19 on university students as part of the Texas Tribune Symposium on the Future of Higher Education. I'm joined today by Sarah Brennan and Jasmine Katamakberry. Sarah Brennan is the student government president at the University of Texas at Dallas. She is currently pursuing a bachelor's degree in finance and economics. Jasmine Katamakberry is the president of the Student Government Association at the University of Houston. She is currently pursuing a bachelor's degree in mathematical biology. And with that, let's get started. This semester, all my classes are online, and they'll probably be online next semester, too. What has your experience with online classes been like, and do you feel like it's an equal educational experience? Um, Sarah, do you want to kick us off? Yes, I can go ahead and kick us off. Um, my classes are mostly online, but I have a couple that are hybrid. So I go um, once a week in person and then once a week online. Um, and there's not very many people when I do go in person and it switches off. Like some people come in person Monday, some come in Wednesday. Um, and I mean, last semester, obviously after spring break, it was completely online and there was no hybrid at all. Um, and I think that the hardest part about transitioning to online classes has been um, the option to do classes asynchronously uh, because you can kind of procrastinate until the last minute and not watch like any of your classes until the day before the exam, which is obviously too late. Um, and so I think that's something that a lot of students, including myself, struggle with. But I think that having those asynchronous options are also really important, especially for students that are international, um, that have like weird timing or have um, extra work ob obligations. So that's kind of been my experience. Definitely, Jasmine. So I, I definitely agree. I think most of my classes as well have been completely online. Um, but I will say that I do think that having online classes creates a lot more barriers to success for, for a lot of different kinds of students. I would say that for students who are working, um, if they have to have a synchronous online class, so meaning that you know they meet every single week at a certain time, right now so many students have really lost their jobs, maybe they're trying to find new jobs, employment's kind of a, a really big deal, especially at our campus where the majority of our students are on some sort of need-based financial aid. So you know it can be a little bit difficult to keep up with an online synchronous class schedule and also maybe a variable work schedule and considering like the economic climate that we're in right now you might students might need to be prioritizing their work schedules over maybe having um, their online uh, school schedule so I definitely think that asynchronous classes are the way to go online for student workers I also think that the aspect of everything being online and having to have a webcam lockdown browsers they also create a lot of barriers to success. I mean, there's a lot of students already that we saw that had, you know, they have testing anxiety and having to watch yourself on a screen while you take an exam can cause even more anxiety. Um, and the lockdown browsers are really scary. You know, they'll flag you and then sometimes they let you know, sometimes they don't. Um, and so I think that can create a lot of kind of anxiety for students who may be um, already struggling with anxiety with in-person classes. Um, so I think that's another barrier to success. And there's also just having the access to good technology and adequate Wi-Fi sources. Not every student is going to have equal access to Wi-Fi. Some students might not have webcams on their computers. And so there's kind of this economic difference that we're seeing with more working class students who might not have access to that. Um, you know, maybe having to use their phones for some classes, 
not having adequate access to resources is another huge barrier to success that I think that we're seeing in this more um, virtual learning environment. So in light of those barriers that you both brought up, across the country, we're seeing a movement of students filing lawsuits saying an online education is not worth the money. Do you think universities should be lowering tuition or paying students part of their tuition back? Sarah? I think that it's very difficult question because I understand obviously as a student where students are coming from and then at the same time the I know that our universities are also having to cut budget and still not having enough money to run um, so it's kind of like if you're looking at it from both angles there's a lose-lose situation um, no matter which way you go so I think that like if possible and at all we should be as universities cutting down um, the cost of tuition where you can um, and making sure that we can still provide students with uh, like quality educations, if that makes sense. Jasmine? Yeah, I would tend to tend to agree. I think that, you know, the way that tuition kind of fuels different aspects of the university financially. I think in-person classes, um, the tuition for, for, for those classes goes into a different bucket of money than the online classes uh, do. And I think that's why we, we're still seeing that in some cases, like at my university, we have a record enrollment, but we're still in a kind of not a great financial situation. So I do think that students should be getting some of their tuition back if they do take, you know, just online classes. It's not the same experience. It's not the same college experience. It's not the same experience to not have, you know, your professor be actually available and having your TAs also kind of do everything online. There, there's a lot more barriers, like just not being able to go to office hours or having a virtual office hours is very different from an in-person office hours. We've been seeing a lot of students who feel like they can't really relate to their professors anymore, like they might not be able to get recommendation letters that are going to be important to further their higher education and go to maybe graduate or professional schools. How do you build that relationship when it's totally online, when you have to compete with maybe sometimes hundreds of other students to get that professor's attention? So there's a lot of other aspects that I think need to be considered when talking about student success in an online environment. So I think certainly, I, I think certainly I would love to see students get their tuition. And I hope that that's something that universities will consider to do, especially in the long term. You know, if this tends to be a short term thing where we go back, to, you know, in-person classes next semester, which I, I don't really think is going to be the case. But if that was to be the case, then, you know, I guess it makes sense. You keep tuition prices the same. But if this is going to be a long term, if we're really going to be living with this new normal, which kind of looks like it, that might be the case, then I think universities need to look at um, lowering their tuition or at least restructuring the, the cost that students will pay to go to university. I would just piggybacking off of that. I would agree that like looking at the cost of tuition for in-person services that are no longer like at the same level that they are right now is something that universities need to look at restructuring. And then I know that um, as part of UT-SAC, which is UT Systems Student Advisory Council, uh, we're looking at advising that they um, make sure that there's a tuition breakdown during COVID, you know, to see where those funds are going if they're not going to where they usually are. Um, I know, for example, like the graduation commencement ceremonies, they didn't have the cost that they usually would to um, have like a grand ceremony, but then instead they put those that budget towards sending out something to every single graduate. So it kind of, 
you, you would think that there's less cost, but sometimes there's not. And I think that what students really want to see is where that money is going um, and like why they're paying this much. And if you kind of address that transparency, then uh, people would be a little more understanding. Right. I think that's a perfect segue to the next question. Um, as a senior, it's hard for me not to feel sad about all the things that are different this year from online classes to quarter capacity football games. Given that one of the defining parts of college is meeting new people and having those new experiences, how are you maintaining connections with your friends, with your peers and professors? Um, Sarah, you can kick us off. We can just do that order. <laughs> um, well, I... I'm lucky enough to have been here uh, long enough to make connections through different student organizations on campus. And so I still am able to connect with people virtually um, through student orgs that I've been a part of, um, whether it be like my sorority or student government, et cetera, and I can still keep that connection with them. I think it's a lot harder for freshmen right now because they um, never haven't made those connections whatsoever. So it's a lot more intimidating to try to meet people in a virtual world and a lot harder to uh, have side conversations and make friends through those um, avenues. And so what we're seeing is that the freshmen are having the hardest time. And I think that like my university is trying to address that by, um, because we've had so few COVID cases, they're opening up our um, potential for doing in-person small gatherings um, through student orgs for, uh, and they want to target freshmen specifically because they know that they're being hit the hardest. Um, so that's something that we're looking at um, in regards to freshmen. And personally, um, for professors, I would say that I'm not connecting with them as much as I was during um, an in-person world. I still see a couple of them in my hybrid classes, but not as often, and I'm not talking to them as much. So that's kind of been my experience. Yeah, I would say um, similarly, um, it's very hard to make connections with new people. I I was like like you kind of said, I was lucky enough. I'm a senior this year, so I'm I've had years already to try and establish some relationships with people through my organizations that I'm a part of, especially through the student government. Um, something that we've been trying to do as a student government, we have a emerging leaders internship program that's geared specifically towards freshmen, and so we had to make that program virtual and online. And even there, we're seeing we're we're seeing pretty good levels of engagement, but you can tell that you know freshmen especially are so nervous to meet new people, and it's so much more difficult when you don't have that in-person connection. Um, something that I've done personally is I've called some people that I've never that I didn't really speak to in person, and I've just called them up. I've asked them, you know, after watching like presidential debate, give me your take. What did you think about this? And just trying to reach out to members of my organization that maybe I, I didn't really talk to as much before, just so we can continue to establish. Those connections, um, having socials in the in the SGA as well. We've done little socials. You know, I think we're going to plan like an Among Us social, so we can all try to maintain that connection. But I think the great thing about being a part of a student organization is that you're all united for a common purpose. So the student government, it is advocacy for other students and things that we're able to really relate to, especially now, is how much we're struggling in our online classes or our mental health or just being able to really connect on on the struggles that we're facing. I think is a is a good avenue, um, albeit a, a bittersweet avenue to connect to students during this time. 
And then Texas University officials have blamed off-campus parties for rising COVID-19 cases. Do you think your peers are taking the pandemic seriously? And as student leaders, what advice are you giving them? So I think that there's definitely a large um, discrepancy between students. Like some students take the pandemic very seriously, um, don't see anybody, and then other people don't take it as seriously and they hang out with their friends without masks like regularly um, and see different people without really a ton of regard. Um, and so it's hard because there's such a big discrepancy between, um, you, between students at the college age. I think that at our university, um, it's been it's been pretty good. There's not a lot of I wouldn't say problems with uh, like partying and things like that. We have a very low number of active cases on campus, and I think part of that is because the university has been diligent in making sure that our like student organizations aren't meeting in person and having those kind of activities. Um, so that's kind of what I would say is what's going on at UTD as far as how seriously people are taking the concerns with COVID-19. Yeah, I would say um, at U of H, we are primarily, I would say, a commuter campus. And we've seen that um, we have very low levels of people currently living on campus. And so we have very little COVID-19 cases on our campus, luckily. Um, and so I think students really are taking it seriously. When I see students out and about, everybody's always wearing a mask. I'm not really very concerned with our student body and how they're taking the pandemic seriously. I've heard of one potential off-campus party that got stopped before it even started. Uh, so I think the off-campus parties are a little bit of a concern. But for the most part, I think that the students on our campus are, have been doing pretty well with the pandemic. We have our hand sanitizer machines everywhere. We have, you know, little signs on the ground that tell students where to stand so they can maintain social distancing. But I will say that I think that students really do mirror their leadership. Um, as a student government, we passed a, a Coog Strong Mask On resolution in support of our uh, university's COVID-19 guidelines or new regulations. But even beyond just student government leadership, we we as people, we mirror the leadership that we see um, like on our like in our governor and our mayor and our local politics and state politics and even at the federal level. So when we see that there is this discrepancy in politicians and our leadership in this country on what they think about the coronavirus pandemic and how they're responding to it, I think that's why we're seeing so much polarization. There are people who take it extremely seriously and there are people that just don't wear a mask at all. And I think it's a perfect reflection of the kind of political climate that we're in and, and the problems and the discrepancies that we're seeing within upper level leadership as well. So I think that that's, it's a really trickle down effect that we're seeing because you know, some politicians won't wear a mask and some do. And then there's contentiousness about on either side about that. So I think that really does affect um, students and our families on our local level. And then students nationwide are calling on university officials to do more to support them during the pandemic. What are your student body's top concerns and how has the university responded? I think some of our top concerns right now are going to be one, like mental health, as we've kind of discussed already. It's um, really hard during a such isolation to make sure that you're staying healthy mentally. So what our university has kind of been doing in response to that is making sure that all of our mental health resources, such as the counseling center, um, are really available to students and trying to push that out as much as possible through social media, which is 
you know, where the students are <laughs> right now. Um, and then another really big concern is diversity and equity, especially during a pandemic that um, hits people differently at different socioeconomic levels. Um, and so what they've done with that is there's a task force called the LOV Living Our Values Task Force that's been dedicated to um, equity concerns. And there's also a COVID um, committee that's specifically for COVID concerns. So those uh, task force that have been created are really only dedicated to those uh, two main concerns. So that's been the response from our university to some of the, the main concerns from our students. I would say that similarly, um, mental health is also a huge issue that we're seeing on campus. Um, we have a lot of great mental health resources at our, our UH CAPS facility, but we did see that it's under it's been underutilized because, like I said before, our campus tends to be a mostly commuter campus. And so they, our UH CAPS has done a really great job of converting everything to a virtual format. There are ways that you can have virtual therapy. There are virtual group sessions. Everything is, is very virtual, but because virtual therapy is a really new format. I feel that students are a little bit afraid or apprehensive to utilize that. And they're also missing that component of just having somebody in person that can be really comforting, whereas it's a little bit more cold and distant whenever you're in front of a computer screen and you're not getting that actual human interaction. And so that tends to be a, a problem that we're seeing. Um, so in our student fees advisory committee, they're the organization that allocates student fees to different departments. I try to advocate uh, for CAPS to get as much funding as possible so that they're able to put an emphasis on social media. Something else that we really saw was a huge problem was um, our students with disabilities on campus. Because everything's online, students who were requesting accommodations were unable to really get good responses from professors or faculty. They weren't really taking their accommodation requests seriously. And we were seeing more instances of just delayed accommodations coming in or just outright denial. And students with disabilities on our campus felt like they weren't being heard. There was a petition that was made by um, a couple of students in our SGA, um, Jonathan Sasser and Maddie Chidester. They made a disabled students demand justice petition and it has almost 800 signatures at this point. And so we were able to, as a student government, bring this to our university administration's attention. And they similarly have created a task force with students, faculty, and staff to try to overcome some of the um, accessibility issues that we're seeing in the online format, in testing, um, and just trying to get equity for students with disabilities on our campus who are oftentimes their voices are not heard as loudly as they should be. And um, regarding the task force that UTD had, um, there is the COVID one, like I mentioned, that was sprouted because of COVID, obviously. And then the one that's mostly related towards racial equity, the Living Our Values Task Force, came in response um, to some students. There was about six students called the Black Student Body that authored a list of demands on our campus uh, towards racial equity. And so uh, I think it's really amazing that our university was responded to those students by creating a task force and that that task force is still uh, pushing for the equity during uh, all of the COVID craziness as well. And I think there's an intersectionality really between those two problems that I'm glad uh, is being addressed. And then now that we're at about like a rough halfway point, what have been your main takeaways from the fall semester and what would you like to see your school do differently in the spring? Can you repeat that? 
Yeah. So the semester is about halfway over. Um, what have been your main takeaways from the fall semester and what would you like to see your university do differently in the spring? I think the main takeaways are one that we can do this. You know, we are able to continue living in a safe way where we can continue to be educating. So that's a big positive. Um, but two, that it's lacking in some areas, especially with human connection. Um, so I think that that takeaway is kind of where we see the need for more safe in-person interaction. So that's kind of what our university is looking to do next year is having small groups wearing masks outside um, doing activities. And that's something that I'm excited to see. Um, and as long as it continues to have low cases on campus, then um, hopefully we will be able to continue to have those programming. Um, and then I would also say that a large takeaway from this semester is that even though we have classes um, right now, it's not the same as when you are talking to your professors in person and having your peers in person. And so we really need to look for ways to have that engagement um, because when everyone has their cameras off, there's no engagement um, and it's hard for students to feel connected. So um, looking for ways in a virtual environment to stay engaging, I think is something that we really need to focus on. I think that's definitely true. Um, I think my biggest takeaway from this fall semester has really been that students can make a really big difference on our campus. We had so many petitions come out in light of the Black Lives Matter movement. We had several work groups similarly to UHD where it was policy reform across the board, whether it was for the Center for Diversity and Inclusion or sexual assault and misconduct or even freedom of expression and how do we allow students to protest on our campus in a legal and safe way. We also saw that we can have bigger events that are outdoors where people wear masks and they kind of social distance like all the protests that we saw. We didn't really see a huge spike in, in COVID cases in light of having protests and in light of having civic engagement. We've been able to have our football games uh, where students are socially distanced and wearing masks and haven't seen a huge spike from there either. So I think maybe we can move to uh, in-person commencement and graduation. Um, I hope that more universities will start to consider that. I hope that my own university will consider making um, commencement in person and and you know just having everybody follow the CDC uh, the CDC guidelines and um, wear masks socially distance we can really make a difference but everybody has to cooperate and work together uh, everybody has to wear a mask or it's just not going to work right if we have everybody outdoors and not wearing masks not socially distancing we're not going to be able to have these activities that are so important to students like having an in-person graduation like having in-person classes I think it's something that can be be done, but it's going to take cooperation from not just everybody in our student body, but also from administration. They have to be willing to trust students a little bit more, and students have to be willing to comply with the regulations, even if it's in inconvenience for them. So I think that you know, I think that the main takeaways are that people can really make a difference. If we band together, we make petitions, we go out and we protest, our voices can be heard. And um, not just our politicians, but our, our administration at our schools will listen to us. So I think that's really important. That was a, an amazing thing that I saw this past year that was really just truly inspiring to see students banding together for social justice, advocating for things to change on their campus, and then seeing administration be compliant. It's just, it's the way that leadership is supposed 
to work. It's the way that students and administration are supposed to have that relationship. Um, I think that was an amazing thing that we saw, and I hope that that continues, and I hope that um, our administration will place a little bit more faith and trust in students and let us have our, our in-person graduations and uh, football games and, and all of that. And then I think we have time for one more question. This one's actually been submitted from the audience. Um, Becky asks, what would you say are the most important things K through 12 schools can be doing to have students ready for college? I think um, for K through 12, especially, I think it's, I think mentorship is extremely important. I think that right now it's a very weird and unprecedented time. And I don't know if we can really predict what the future is going to look like. And it's very scary. Um, so I think that having somebody there, knowing your goals, first and foremost, knowing what you want to do, or at least the realm of where you want to study and finding people in your own profession or in the profession that you seek to be in and asking their advice, asking them what their day-to-day -day life looks like, asking them what they do to prepare. I think that in K through 12, especially, there's there's a lot of pressure on us to decide right, right away what we want to do for the rest of our lives. But I know that that can be very variable. So just talking to people about their specific experiences, I think, is the best is the best avenue to kind of figure out what you want to do. And I think that's the most important thing. Obviously, you know, pay attention in your classes, go to your online school. But I think that the best way to learn is truly from other people's experiences. And that's kind of how you know uh, where you're going to fit in in your life because I know people switch their career paths all the time so having somebody to look up to somebody whose goals kind of align with yours I think having someone a role model is really important especially at that age I think also teaching flexibility and the ability to fail um, are two important things going into college because um, especially as we've all seen with COVID, there's a high need for being able to be flexible um, in what you're doing and not being too rigid and thinking that, oh, the classes are supposed to be this way, the homework is supposed to be this way. Um, so teaching that in K through 12, um, I think was really would be really beneficial for students moving into college. And then also we see some students who have, you know, never failed that has been really easy for them in um, K through 12. And then when they get to college, they don't know what to do. And it's devastating when they don't get an A on their exam. So I think that my, what I would, what I appreciated most for my high school experiences are the classes that really did challenge me. The ones that I didn't get an A in because um, they taught me that it's okay not to get an A um, and that you're going to be, you're going to be okay. So I think that's important for college students to know um, and teaching them that in K through 12. And with that, we are out of time. Thank you for tuning in and thank you to Sarah Brennan and Jasmine Catamacberry for joining us. Thank for you more so much. higher ed, oh yeah, of course. <laughs> for more higher ed coverage from the Texas Tribune, visit texastribune.org or sign up to get all our education coverage in your inbox at trib.it/edu. Thank you, everyone.